1: Welcome to the Cope of Detroit podcast, CopeofDetroit.com, of com. Pride of Detroit, pride of cope. Detroit, pride of cope, cope of Detroit, <laughs> cope of Detroit, pride of cope. Whichever one we want to do. This is uh, coping hours here for us on the Pride of Detroit podcast, Pride of com, pride of Detroit on Twitter, pride of Detroit on face uh, Facebook, face cope. You know where to cope with us. Uh, I am Cope Perfet at Christopher on Twitter, um, the adequate cope of the pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, this one's this one wasn't fun. This one was fun, but it also wasn't fun, which I think sums up this entire year so far as we are five games into a Lions season that is still winless. Thanks to uh, some histrionics. But let me introduce my partner, the uh, The copeless leader, the copeless leader.
2: Can I be the great white cope? (laughs) Uh, Racist. Uh, Well,
1: speaking of white and colors to that, we should probably talk about that. That's Jeremy Rising, by the way, at Detroit Online, at Detroit on Cope. Um, Real quick, real quick note. uh, If you're not watching on Twitch, uh, this is not a visual medium, obviously, for the podcast, but uh, we have these wonderful hoodies that were provided to us by questionable T's
2: Jeremy is getting up right back. now.
1: Yeah. Model the back show, show it's, them it's, why it's, there's it's, like Japanese characters all over this Jamal Williams it's a Jamal Williams cotton candy hoodie. And, uh, they are fantastic. Questionable T's sent these to myself, to Jeremy and to Ryan. Ryan, congratulations to him. He is getting married this weekend, which leaves me and Jeremy to model these wonderful, wonderful hoodies, which you wish could present to you on a much better day. But they're they're awesome. They're very comfy. They're very light. And uh, for me, they're very weeb.
2: They're very weeaboo. This is as, as as far into the weeb deep end that I will get.
1: Yeah, not but I
2: do. Look, they're also really nice and warm. They're all, they're, they're very Anyways. comfy right now.
1: Anyway. Um, Yes, yeah, so you can check those out on Questionable Tees. They are fantastic. They're not a sponsor yet, but they are. They have been. They're friends. Very co- they're they're, and they're, they're friends. They're friends of the show, and the, yes, they are local to Detroit, and they make some other Detroit swag. So you should check
2: them out. Uh, and to especially. be to, to be clear, it's, Tees is spelled like Tees Tabor. Ooh. Okay. So yes, yeah, so don't look up T E E S. It's T E E Z. Z. T E Z. Questionable T E E Z. All
1: right. Anyways. Back to the back to uh, sadness, back to cope, (laughs) back to cope. (laughs) Um, The Lions are the first team to lose two end of regulation over 50 yard field goals in a single season. And it comes in two of three weeks. And I hate when we get into this, Jeremy, because you know me, I hate curse talk, I hate Self-flagellation on the Lions. I think this team is no better than anything else. It's just the dice just keep
2: rolling against you in this case. And it, uh, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Like in in a really sad way. And yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't really like throwing around curse talk and, and supernatural things. But man, well I love Lions I love fan- supernatural. Lions fans I go just hate th- it here. Lions fans are are just they go through it, man. I well, know let, there let are let a lot clear. of teams. I, uh, I enjoy the, the, curses, but yeah. like the
1: flagellation is what I don't like. The woe is me is what I don't like. But Sorry, continue.
2: But it's hard not to be like, what else do we have other than woe is me? Because <laughs> the Lions are pretty unique in, in the way that they it, it's not just the way that they lose games. It's how often they lose games in ridiculous fashion. And to be clear, like I think through three and a half quarters, we all would have agreed that the Lions deserve to lose this game. And so. You know, there there isn't there is it's not just like there's a supernatural force that is that is blocking the Lions from winning these games. Like no, they shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times. Dan Campbell was was one of the first things he said today as well. But it just it just sucks as a fan where you're just like you're like okay, this game is over, whatever we lost, and then like they pull you back in as they always seem to do, whether it's at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, or just in individual games, they pull you back in only to punch her right into the nuts
1: again. I feel like in particular this year, Dan Campbell is getting a concentrated dose. Yes. Yeah. He's getting, he's getting like, this is like, it was slowly drip fed through those, those Jim Caldwell years. And on Patricia, it was just a crash course to misery. Dan Campbell is just getting the nut punch over and over. And thankfully I think he's built to take it, but he was emotional in the press conference after this game, which is awful, but he knows how hard these guys are fighting out there. So I'm going to give him that. I just, I, I, I don't have a problem with him at all. I know we're going to talk. It, it feels bad to say that, that he was pro- crying at a press conference when I know we're about to start breaking down some of these late game decisions where he, he, he did flip the script, Jeremy. He, he was aggressive in the past games, and he told us straight up that if it wasn't, if it clear it wasn't working, he would go away from that. And I think that was the right call for most of the game in that he did go away from it. You got a lot of these third and twos or third and threes where the third down play for bad or worse, like was, but just it was Jared Goff throwing behind the sticks in a lot of cases. And he would elect to punt but I think that was the right call for a lot of this time because his offense was not showing you any flash to prove that they could go for it on fourth down.
2: It's, yeah, I'm I'm tormented on this because <laughs> by nature, I'm a be aggressive, go for it, don't ever punt on the other side of the field kind of person. Um, and I, And I also believe that this team isn't good enough where they're just going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to put their team in positions to win the game and add to their win value. And usually the best way to do that is to be aggressive. But on a day in which the offense was just absolutely doing nothing, I think I can certainly forgive Dan Campbell for facing a fourth and four late in the game down 10 with eight or so left on the Viking side of the field being like, well, shit, you guys are giving me no choice but to punt. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. I hate it. I get it, though. And I, I, I think I hate more that it's come to this than I hate Dan Campbell for the decision. Because, I mean, what has the, what has the Lions offense done to earn his trust? Nothing. Certainly not in this game. Certainly not last week. And, and it's golf, and we'll, we'll get into all the offensive problems in the next segment. But I understand where Dan Campbell is coming from. And then, I mean, we also, like, if, I, if I'm going to hammer him for being too conservative... Well, going for two at the end of that game is anything but a conservative move. No, he absolutely. in, in
1: those in those final few f- decisions, he flipped the script. Yeah, he saw he saw what needed to. And I think he understood too. like this team is
2: not going to uh, keep keep on holding on in overtime like, right the, now. <laughs> the only reason the Lions offense scored a touchdown is because of the late turnover, and you probably aren't going to get that lucky in overtime. You're probably not going to score a single point in overtime. You're probably going to lose. So I'm I'm again like I'm super yeah. aggressive so of course I'm okay with that. You're on the road, your offense isn't rolling. You 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 basically you put the game down to here's a two-point conversion. Offense give me 2 yards. That's all I need from you. Now, right. the, the one thing like there are like chess player analytic guys that say going for two is actually the wrong move here. And the reasoning for that is that you get you give the offense the the opposing offense an opportunity to go back out there and score whereas you know, the Vikings, they have two timeouts, they have 30 seconds or whatever, 35 seconds left, and it's a tie game, they probably take that to overtime. They probably pack it in and say, let's go into overtime, and then you have a 50-50 shot at winning. The, ana- the analytics group thinks that if you go for two and you make it, which is already kind of a 50-50 shot, you now give that offense motivation to go down there and score. And to me, that's that's overthinking it. That's that's playing 10-D chess when you're, you just have to think about this individual situation. Mm-hmm. If you win, which you probably don't deserve to win this game, you 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 get the two point conversion, and then you have a pretty favorable scenario where don't give up fifty yards in in thirty seconds in two
1: times. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like the idea of going for the extra point there instead of for two, and the idea that you're going to just trust that the other team is going to play honorable and go for the overtime rather than a game winning field goal feels like a bit of prisoner's dilemma. It's, it's right. a decision you're leaving in someone else's hands. Right. And you're just, you're just hoping that they are doing the nice thing. And I don't <laughs> trust the Vikings
2: to do that. Even knowing that they seem to be historically cursed at field goals. The, the one thing I would say that would work in that favor is that the Vikings burned a, an entire possession in, at the end of the first half. They
1: mm-hmm. were up
2: seven and they had, I think at least one or two timeouts and more than 30 seconds, I think it was like 50 seconds. And they decided to run the clock out. Um, obviously end of game scenario is a little bit different, but I don't know. It's just an interesting kind of thought experiment. I think, I think we, I think most people agree that going for two was, um, the right move or at least, a uh, one that made a lot of sense in that moment. Right.
1: I, I feel like I need to set up more of the game, but it, it it is going to keep coming down to, if you watch the game, you have questions about those final two drives because yeah, the lions got the takeaway they needed for it. They got the eight points they needed. so. And that, that helped basically kickstart, like I going in those final minutes, I didn't think they would be able to get two scores. Oh, thanks to thanks to Thanks to a great turnover. They were able to do that. Yep. Uh, what came next is I think where people might criticize some of the defense, which I thought played for, for a unit that was asked to stand on its head most of the day after short offensive drive after short offensive possessions, usually under three minutes to go right back out there and fight again. The defense played against, I mean, granted, it's not a great uh, offense for the Vikings, but it's still one that's going to challenge you. And I thought they played decently well enough. Um, but that final possession, I didn't have too much. It's, it's rough because on one hand, it's, we know enough in the NFL today that it's hard to stop an offense when it really wants to get down the field. On the other hand, I think p- some fans see uh, a three-man rush, and especially on on the play that's set up for the field goal, yeah. And that's where they start to. I, I, th- th- we've we've got those words in fans' heads: three-man rush, right? And in the past, that's meant bad because that seems to be where the Lions give up on putting pressure on someone like Kirk Cousins and trust the coverage. Which, why are you trusting the coverage? <laughs>
2: Right. It's 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 kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Again, I, I tend to fall on the more aggressive side of things and, and to be fair, like it was a three play drive. The first one they rushed for, they didn't get any pressure, 21 yard gain. So that didn't work, four man rush didn't work. Second play, they disguised their four man rush. They had someone drop back in the middle, someone come in, and they got a free rusher. Put pressure on Kirk Cousins, he only threw for a six yard pass, got tackled in bounds. That was the perfect kind of play that you want. That second play. Then they go three-man rush on that third play, and we all know what happened. The wide-open guy, 19 yards down the field. And, I mean, you can blame Aaron Glenn all you want. You can blame the play calling on you want, and there deserves to be some criticism there. But when it comes down to it, this team has lost its best pass rusher. This team has lost a ton of pieces in the secondary. This is where they're weak. This is why they're going to lose a lot of these games is because their pass defense is bad. And so when you even when this team is having a has a lead late in the games, they're probably going to give it up a lot of times because they don't have a good secondary because they don't have a good pass defense. They've made every single quarterback look like Aaron Rodgers at the end of games. I mean, this is the second time this has happened and and it almost worked in that Baltimore game because they had the pass rush because they had all these these good players, but now Trey Flowers is hurt and, and clearly not 100 yet. Now you don't have Romeo Aquara, and so that part of your game is, is starting to to take a step back. While your secondary is still losing pieces, is still not where it needs to be, and so it you know it it is coaching, but it also is just like this is where the team is its weakness is its weakest. So it's just it it can't really play from behind. It can't really play from ahead. they're just not a good team and and it sucks and it's frustrating
1: Damned if you don't like you can't you just can't win in that in that spot the only the only option is not to give them the chance to respond but the problem is is that you needed a touchdown there so it's not like you could just sit on the ball for that field goal either
2: yeah
1: like you couldn't burn out the clock you needed golf to you needed that play too swift at that moment to work In, in both cases and i thought Swift was phenomenal there. It's just, yeah, that's yeah. what's going to happen. And unfortunately, we we're talking about curses. And unfortunately, the Vikings curse of, of game winning field goals uh, going wide. Choose your direction didn't
2: come through. The Lions curse uh, over overrided that. And that, we have a curse hierarchy here. Yeah. And that's that's what's crazy about the whole thing, too. Like not only has this team lost on 50 plus yard field goals twice in three weeks, but bo- in both of those games. The kicker set career records. Obviously, Justin Tucker's 66-yarder was a career record. But the, the Vikings kicker in this game, Greg Joseph, before this game, his longest was a 53-yarder. And in both those games, Jeremy, there was a missed field goal. You know,
1: Tucker yes, earlier missed. in the game. To yeah, lull yeah. You Tucker into comfort. Tucker missed Tucker That's missed right. one in that game. And in yep. this one, it was short, and it was like short. It, it, was, it was short yeah. and it like freaked out the, the operator who thought they had gotten the field goal, but it yeah. was like way
2: short. And he's still able to hit the one from long. Yeah, so, he wonderful. set career first. He set the career high with the 50, 55 yard earlier in the game and then broke his his 53 yard uh, long again with that game winner. So it's just like, man, this team cannot. I, I can't say that they can't catch a break because they caught a break by being in this game period. Like they've, they've caught some breaks. But it yeah. just seems like every single time when they just need one more break, one more thing to bounce their way. Like, I don't know, the Green Bay Packers, who had the ugliest overtime win over the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, where, like, everyone's fumbling and missing, missing field three goals. Three field goals. Wow. Just- and the Lions just can't get someone to miss a 54-yarder to win the game or a 66-yarder <laughs> to win the game. Like, the, I guess the the good news in all this is, like, if the Lions had that eensy-weensy bit of field goal luck, they could be 2-3 and three right now, which... I think we'd all be kind of happy with, but, um, unfortunately we're left, uh, and five and, and we got a, we got a very emotional coach, which I, I think I want to talk to talk about before we get. Yeah. Into it, our first I, break. I, I talked about it again. I felt bad that we have to rip
1: apart the uh, decision making when he's, you know, that emotional it is part of this job though. But yeah, I, I think I get it. I think I get it more in that he's having to see this butcher's bill on injuries too. Like we, we mentioned yeah. Quintos Cephas, um, I believe from what we're hearing, he's going to be missing quite a bit of time, yeah. uh, for what happened to him. So it's just, it's hard. Nobody expects you to just get kicked in the balls this many times when you start a brand new job, especially for someone who I think has done as much good decisions as Dan Campbell has done, at least in that, you know, getting, putting together the ro- putting together the coaching staff, trying to work with what he's left with the roster, with the cap situation that he has. And yeah, there's the old quote, you know, short menu in sports wins and losses and he's got five right now. And that's just going to weigh on him. But at the same time, as a player, as a former player, too, I think it weighs on him doubly in that he just he wants to win. Right. That's at the end of the day, like he's charged up. He's emotional about it. he wants to
2: win. And I mean, you can see it's killing him towards the players, right? Like he, I'm sure he wants to win and I'm sure it would be emotional for him to win his first game as as a Detroit Lions head coach, as a former Detroit Lions player. Um, but his quotes are are, are fascinating to me. Um, you know, he says, you want it for yourself as an organization and for all of us, but you want it for the players. They're, they're out there busting their ass. It's tough. When you see your players give all that they have and you lose that way, it's tough. You don't want it for them. And, and Listen, the, the the tears, the fighting back. Stuff, I like I I love it all. I, I, I love a, a coach that shows emotion. I love a coach that you know clearly cares about all this stuff. And I know a lot of people say, you know, th- this is going to draw a lot of you know talk, right? Like there's going to be tough football guys that say, I don't want my coach crying. He's weak, blah, 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 blah. Or there's going to be like, shut the hell up, you know, just wins and losses. I don't care how you yeah, feel.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's the short menu thing. It's like, you yeah. know, the emotion's fine, of, but just if, if you, if you want right. the emotions to stop, go win a football
2: game. As if right. That's that easy. And right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like it, it's, it's, it's great to see someone that cares that much. I think that's that. And And I go back to the first time we saw Campbell tear up which was when he stepped on that practice field right after he got the job and the, the emotions of the moment kind of overwhelmed him because Detroit means that much to him and he knows what this team is going, has gone through and what the fans have gone through. And I think that's that's all that swelled up again on, on on Sunday is just this team is working its ass off. This team is, listen, this team is punching up. This team is is, is playing above what they were expected to do. No one really gave him a shot against Minnesota this week. We thought they were going to get blown out, me included. No one gave him a shot against the Ravens thought they were going to get blown out by Lamar Jackson and they're punching up and and sure, it doesn't matter. They're losing. Who cares? Blah, blah. Uh, You know, moral victories, whatever, whatever, whatever. But listen, this team sucks. This team sucks all over the place. The roster sucks, but the players are getting better and the players are hanging in there. And did they deserve to win this game? No. Were they better than the Vikings? No. Did they get a little bit lucky with a late fumble? Yes. But it all still happened. His players are still fighting and I listen, I'm I was on this podcast a week ago saying, I think this team is going to win at least four games. Everyone hammered me for it. I'm not backing down from it. But I I have to imagine some more people might see a clear path to four wins after this game. Right.
1: Well, I think I think the big thing for me is and you mentioned it and I know it's going to be a question about losing the locker room. Um, how much, um, how, how, how many more losses can you take before guys kind of check out? But I feel like the more games where it's like this back breakingly close and this kind of fight just keeps going in there. I mean, maybe you lose some guys after a while. Maybe they get flamed out from, from trying to just make move heaven and earth. But at the same time, like the fact that it's been five games, and nobody's really breaking. Everyone's still trying like hell to make this thing work, I think, speaks more volumes than anything else. We're we're, we're talking about this, by the way, on the same day where Trevor Lawrence is out in front of the press saying that he disagreed on a QB sneak decision from his coach, Urban Meyer. Adding completely adding to like the awful week. Urban Meyer legendary vaunted winner guy is having. Meanwhile, here's Dan Campbell here who isn't the hotshot coordinator who got pilloried for taking the job because he doesn't have coordinator things. Cause he talks about kneecaps and I don't see the sign of quit from a lot of his guys. I mean, maybe Jared Goff gets tired of some of the talk and we are going to add to that talk very soon, <laughs> but like everyone else, like they, I, I don't know. Like they I, I haven't, yeah. I mean, you're around the locker room more than I am. Like you, you would know, like it doesn't seem like any of these guys are showing that, despondency yet
2: no and listen i i I think i think the next couple weeks are going to be really a really big test though right like they're going if if dan campbell has has really solidified this culture boy has it been put to the test through a month like to go trial by fire (laughs) not only just going zero and five but losing in these kind of fashions have i mean they're the emotion they're emotionally taxing um but you, you think at the at their strategy in terms of the guys that they got they got young guys they got guys who are trying to prove it. They're not. They're, there's not a ton of vets around here that are just like, "This is bullshit. I don't want. I don't want any part about of this." They've got a bunch of young guys who listen. They're they're thankful for for the playing time. They're they're excited to be out there on the field. And sure, it's going to hurt those guys a lot too. But I think those are the kind of guys that might be able to 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 you know hold their weight and 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 weather the storm and all that was was intentional right like they got these sort of guys because they they probably knew this season wasn't going to go great they probably didn't think it was going to go this bad in terms of just like the emotional losses and they probably didn't expect them to go zero and five but um it'll be a test it'll be interesting to see how they respond because i you know you you look to past seasons like you look at after the the monday night football loss to the packers a couple weeks ago or a couple years ago the the legal hands to the face they lose that game, they drop to two and two or two and three, or whatever it was. the rest of the season they're done. they just look toast not not competing, just absolutely outmatched and it and it all went downhill i don't know if the if that happens here, but i I have a lot more faith that it doesn't um just because of of, of how I see these guys in, into a date like these guys like being around each other, these guys like their head coach they they like their coordinators, they like their position coaches when 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 that sort of harmony Still exists, and I think it does still exist because, because again, they're they're punching up. They're underdogs in all of these games, and they're beating a lot of spreads. So like a ten point dog something. in this game, they were yeah. like a ten point dog, like nine and a half, 10.
1: So like, yeah. If you if you if you got the lines and the points, you're you're feeling good on that front. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we are going to dive deeper into the offense. A lot of interesting talk about this offense, in that it wasn't good. <laughs> and we'll we'll dive into Jared Goff, but then I think I, I think the more interesting question coming up is actually about the wide receivers, especially with the news about Quintez Cephas. Uh, there's some interesting developments on that front, so we'll cover all that and more when we come back on the Pride of Detroit podcast. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, where we turn our attention on this 0-5 team and curses galore, looking into a man who might as well be a walking curse right now, and that's Jared Goff. Um, We keep going back and forth on Jared Goff. I think I am of the opinion, I am of the hot take, that everything that certain media people were telling you about Matthew Stafford, that he likes to pad his stats and garbage time and everything else. That was bogus about, about Matt, but feels very true of Jared Goff. And in this particular game, it was, but in this particular game, it wasn't even that, that really hurt me. It was just some of the decision-making, especially and, and the protection of the football, Jeremy. Yeah. And I think that's where we start is like, when he sees the pass rush coming, he doesn't really know what to do with it. And I mean, this is who Jared Goff is at this point, but that doesn't mean that I can't still be incredibly frustrated. And I don't know if I can promise you that I'm going to last till November at this point before judging
2: him. It's, it's tough because the offense is just, it's really bad right now. It's, it's moving the ball, but when they need a big play, they're, they're not getting it from anywhere. And... and you know Goff's turnovers are a huge problem. They're they're a huge problem and while fumbles tend to be you know a result of a lot of mistakes on one play that's not just the quarterback, you know obviously protections an issue and no one getting open could be an issue for a fumble, but like when it happens as much as it does for Jared Goff and it seems to happen a lot. This isn't this isn't something new either. This is something everyone said about him. And you can you can say it has to do with the small hands or whatever or bad decision making under pressure. It's a little bit of everything, and it's unacceptable because we we just got done with a game in Chicago and where this team failed to score four times inside the 10-yard line. Well, it felt like another three or four times they were in Vikings territory, and they came away with nothing because it was a turnover or it was a fumble or it was a, you know, just a, a missed pass. To, uh, you know, we, we just got done talking about how this team didn't go for it on fourth and four. Why is that? Because they weren't converting on third and fours. Because they weren't converting on third and eights. Because they weren't th- converting on third and eights. Third and sevens, third and nines, third and tens. Whatever it is, this team isn't converting because they just can't create any sort of plays through the air right now that isn't a, a quick screen. That's their best play right now in the passing game. And it's because of golf. And it's because of the receiving core. And it's because of the offensive line not blocking well. Nothing is going well in this passing game right now. And and yeah, like when that happens... Who do you turn to? You turn to the quarterback. The quarterback's not playing well enough. He's not playing well enough. He has a ton of excuses for not playing well enough, but excuses be damned. Like the best play, like if Jared Goff is the dude, you have to have a quarterback that can elevate your wide receivers' play, and he's clearly not doing that right now. And it's whether it's a trust issue, whether it's you know maybe the the, the play calling or trying to work around the wide receiver issues. Whatever it is, is not working. Lions do not have a passing game right now. I have to imagine it's one of the worst in the league, and at least a good chunk of that falls on golf.
1: The fact I I know that he's still working off the the uh the the card on his on his sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. He's still working off
2: the. I think uh, so. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I've seen I saw him like uh, opening yeah. it in this game. I don't know how much that concerns me, but what I do like to your point, he doesn't really have a lot of great options right now, but again for me it's still the decision making it's still that it's one read check down that i mean i didn't see any guys blatantly open like we had last time and i don't know where tj hawkinson is and that's probably a different thing we, we talked about it a little bit on our post game like probably he's getting you know massively teamed up and covered very well taking hawkinson away because they know hawkinson is a good weapon but He's not really finding much alternatives without Hawkinson out there either. Um, And like, look, I there was a lot of times in this game where you need like what third and seven and he finds someone just behind the sticks every time. And that's his only that's his only read that's where he puts that ball right away. That might as well. Like, I don't know if it's better to throw into coverage to try to get to try to get to TJ Hawkinson, but man, like something's got to change right now. And I don't know. I, I feel like I, I just, I hear all the words from my friends in LA who are Rams guys who just tell me over and over, like, this is who Goff is now for better or worse. And look, there's been some times in these games where he's looked on, usually later on the game when defenses are easing up on him. But in this case, there really wasn't much of anything like, yeah, he had the great throw to Swift at the end of the game, but not much else. There, there's not much else. And it really hampers you when you're just
2: going to be behind the sticks all the time with this kind of, this pe- kind of passing game. And I mean, it, it, again, it, it's nothing particularly new. The fumbles aren't new, the checkdowns, downs, the, the throws short of the sticks. I mean, I don't know how many people yelled at me for saying like golf looks bad in training camp because he's refusing to throw it into tight windows. He's he's refusing to throw it downfield. He's saying like, eh, that guy looks a little too covered. I'm gonna check it down. Well, now those roosters are wait, I was gonna say those roosters are coming home to roost. That's not how the saying goes. Whatever. Those chickens, chickens are coming, coming home to roost. Chicken, yeah. Chickens coming home to roost. Ch- and it's chickens. Just like chickens. Yes. Um and, and it's just like, well, this is this is what I've been saying. is this guy is is Captain Checkdown. and maybe maybe Anthony Lynn needs to be doing a better job scheming some of these guys open. Maybe he needs to start running plays that everyone is running past the sticks so that golf doesn't have a choice. Like listen. Every single person is beyond seven yards on this third and seven. You have to throw it at least seven yards. And and the funny thing
1: is he did make one deep throw, but it was like, it was to, who who was it? Who was it way deep? And he threw it to double coverage. Was that, was that, um, I think it was Kaderil Hodge. Probably. But like, it it was a nothing burger
2: of a throw. It was a bad throw. Yeah. But, but that's also the point too, is like, if they're never throwing it down, if Jared Goff cannot convince the opposing defense that he's a downfield threat, how's Hawkinson ever going to get open? How's anyone ever going to get open? They're just going to bring everyone up 20 yards because no one can beat him over the top. No one has ever beaten, uh, Has have the Lions thrown a pass downfield more than 20 yards that has been complete this year? Boy, it let's, doesn't let's feel pull like pull up the next gen stats. Sometimes no, that's going to be no a fun one, trip. <laughs> no one is beating anybody deep right now. And, and Jared Goff is, is maybe throwing one of those passes per game. And it's just, when you do that, you become one dimensional and at least in the passing game and you're just, you can't win games. You can't win games like that. Well, I, I, I will say the good news
1: is that, well, actually, before I get to the good news and the wide receivers, um, the other part of Jared Goff is again taking those sacks. It'd be one thing if he could complete at least some of those throws now and then to recover from a sack. Once he takes a sack, the, the drive is over, Jeremy. There's no, there's no coming back from it. And part of that's on him. When he sees that, pre- that, that pressure coming, he doesn't really his first instinct isn't really to like, force the ball out, nor is it to throw it away. It just seems to be to like hold on to it. But at the same time, like, the offensive line isn't really giving him much help here. He took. Four sacks in this game, seven QB hits. Um, I really think this line is missing Frank Ragnar right now. It's it, like the injuries are starting to pile up for it. But at the same time, Panay Sewell did not have a good game either. And he no, got I beat think...
2: a couple times by
1: every back-to-back plays beat by Everson <clears throat> Griffin.
2: Yep, one is a, is a sack that, that drives him on the edge of field goal position. And then the next one is, is the strip sack that ends the drive completely. Um, I, yeah, I think they're missing Taylor Decker probably more than anyone right now on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but I think you know, it does kill. In... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just saying, we mentioned in the post game show, like anyone who was just like trade Taylor Decker or move him to right tackle. Cause Penny Sewell is amazing at left tackle. Like, I think we can pump the brakes on that a little bit now. Hopefully Taylor Decker is out there soon. We, we still don't really know he was out there in the game at the game again today, going through warmups with the team because he's a big supportive dude, but he still had the little brace on his hand. So just don't know how close he is there. I think he's eligible to return this week. Or he's already been eligible to return. Um, we'll see if it, if it's this week, maybe next week. Um, I have to imagine it's probably in the next three weeks, hopefully, but uh, can't be soon enough because they're just, they're kind of getting killed on the edge in, in the pass rush game right now. And Matt Nelson, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you can expect Matt Nelson against Daniil Hunter, like that's that's a huge mismatch you have a guy who's still learning the offensive tackle position because he's played defensive tackles entire life going up against one of the best pass rushers in the league like of course that's not going to work
1: yeah this 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 whole game was a couple of young guys who are still learning the position in the pros uh getting schooled by veterans like griffin (laughs) like that's that that was a story for sewell and i think that was a story for nelson here both like and you're just going up against guy like guys who want to
2: like put you in your place. And here's the thing too. Like when you have your edges getting beat like that, you have to bring in a running back or bring in a tight end to help those guys out. And guess what that does? It might provide you more protection, but suddenly Jared Goff has fewer options to throw. Yeah, those, to are those, are those are yeah, his favorite targets. Those are his favorite check down targets. Your tight ends and your running backs are your best players. And they're going to have to stay in and make sure Daniel Hunter doesn't kill Jared Goff. And so that's another, like, it's another thing that Jared Goff, it's not his fault necessarily. He's, like I said, he's still not doing enough to like overcome all these things, but no wide receivers. His best guys have to stay in and chip block, Um, you know. And he's, and, the and common denominator. he's still getting hit. He's the he's common the denomin- denominator. But just like everything right now is going wrong in the passing game and it's it's due to lack of talent. It's due to, you know, injuries. It's It's everything, nothing's working out there but the running game. He's too. one of those guys, he's one of those guys who needs everything perfect and things right now are not perfect. Yeah. So guess what's happening. Yeah. Um
1: that said though, I mean, wide receivers before I get to the big injury of the day though. I thought Amon-Ra has been stepping up very well in these past couple of games and maybe hopefully if you're looking for the silver lining, maybe Jared Goff starts to trust Amon-Ra, St. Brown a little bit more. Yeah. Um I believe he had what um He had, I think, 65 yards in this game, 70 yards against the Bears last game. He had eight targets in this game. So like he's he's averaging, I think, 9.3 yards per reception like he's doing very well right now. And it's it's refreshing to see him kind of getting in rhythm out there because, you know, I know he was a fourth round pick, but I think everyone had big expectations for him. And he's at least shown you the upward growth you kind of expect to see from a rookie learning the league.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, and, and the Lions are showing more faith in him, too. Like, they ran a couple of plays early in this game that were specifically designed for him, and a couple of them worked. Problem, it, again, it is, like, he's not a deep threat. No, he's He's a short not. yardage guy. He's a slot guy, yeah. He's a short yardage, screen pass, slants kind of guy. And again, that's not enough. <laughs> we need someone to test over the top. This Lions team needs Tyrell Williams very, very bad. And I don't know when they're going to get him back either because, you know, concussions are are tricky. And when you get put on IR with a concussion, that's a real bad sign that it's a it's a very, very serious one. So, yeah, again, he's a guy that can come back next week, I believe. But who knows if it happens next week or a month or whatever. There's just I, I, I like that among Raz progressing, but he's also very easily taken away. He was pretty much taken away in the second half of this game. Mm-hmm. You saw them try that, court, that that wide receiver screen a couple t- more times in that game. And Goff just had to turf it because it wasn't there. And so just like, Oh yeah, I mean, they got, they got wise. it adjusted for him. Yeah. Yep. The, I think the frustrating part is that, and this is the big news
1: that, of coming out of this is that Quintez Cephas, um, Dan Campbell said that it looks like a shoulder clavicle injury and quote, doesn't look good. So if you're now down Quintez Cephas, who was probably your best wide receiver, through these f- these first five games, yep. uh, that's putting you further and further
2: down the eight ball. This we went into training camp already thinking this was going to be one of the worst wide receiver groups in football, maybe already the worst. And that was under the assumption uh, under the assumption they had Tyrell Williams is under the assumption they had um, Rashad Perriman. It's under the impression they had Quintus Cephas and Amon Ross St. Brown. And now you're missing three of those guys. And now, and, and the other thing we have to talk about too, and I've already seen some people in our chat talk about it, is this team traded for Trinity Benson, and he looks lost. He doesn't look like do anything
1: out there. He doesn't look like he's... I mean, now granted, I mean, I'm not going to weep over the loss of a sixth rounder,
2: sure. but I understand. And it's also, I well, understand. it's also, also extremely early. This guy just joined yeah. the team at the beginning of the season. This is his first NFL action ever, but that dude looks lost. Two drops today. I think he missed like three blocks. Like he was rough. I I have to imagine when the PFF scores come out, that dude is going to be near the bottom. And now he's being jumped by Kaderil Hodge, which I mean, he's been okay, but like not, not a guy that should be out. There. Well, I mean, maybe
1: Kaderil Hodge only hauled in one of his five targets. So, right. and by the way, Khalif Raymond was
2: nowhere here today either. Yeah. It's a, it's a quiet so. day from the wide receivers, man. Nothing, nothing's working in that pass game. Telling you the good news is, is that once again,
1: the, the run game looks good. It's just that once again, the Lions don't have much on the ground. Now, granted, part of that was is that this is probably the best run defense the Lions have seen so far this year against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it, it is up there. Well, Jamal Williams, once kind again, of there. <laughs> kind of up there. Jamal Williams, our guy with the with the with the with the, with the things here. I think he had like what? Sixty three yards from scrimmage DeAndre Swift hundred over a hundred yards from scrimmage, almost split evenly between the air
2: and on the ground, so I think I'd the look, problem you know, you go on, go on. I was just gonna say like i I think the running game is fine i think I think it was good in this game. They were consistently picking up four, five, six yards. they were picking up first downs. they finished with four five yards to carry a hundred total yards rushing. I'll take that. it's good um I, I know the Vikings were giving up four a to carry this season, so maybe under their averages, but the Vikings defense isn't bad. And they also got Anthony Barback in this game. So mm-hmm. I the the issue with the running game is kind of the same as the issue with the passing game. No big plays. Just no big play. It, it's eight. It's seven. It's six yards. It's 10 yards. Nothing beyond 20 yards. This this team isn't the, the reason why all these drives are failing, like they're getting all the way downfield and they're failing, is that these are 18, you know, like 12, 10, 14 play drives. And you, when you have the, those many plays in one single drive and you're not that talented, sooner or later, something's going to something bad is going to happen. And it's going to send you off course. You're either going to get sacked. You're going to get a holding penalty. You're going to fumble the ball. You're going to drop the pass. And this team is not good enough to come back from it. They need to be chugging along four or five yards at a time the entire time. It's why when I joined a Reeves podcast, I called this a bend, don't break offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they, they string out these long drives. They're, they're not going to hit hard and, and break the defense. They're just going to slowly bend them until they break themselves. And that's let what's me, happening. These let past me days. ask you something here, because this is something I noticed,
1: but I'm not sure how on point I am. How much do you think is that this is also maybe on the offensive line with their struggles too? Because I saw DeAndre Siff going for that edge and like mm-hmm. trying to get it, and he just could not get it. And maybe that maybe it helps if he gets a little more help from the offensive line. Maybe that turns into the big play because Jamal Williams will get you yards and he'll even get up to maybe the second level. But he's not going much further than that when he is a up the middle gap kind of guy. You know, if right. you're going to get those big plays, you need Swift to hit the edge and and get past get past the, the protection there. And yeah. if your offensive line is struggling, they're not going to help you in that regard.
2: Well, yeah, I, I think there is some issues on the edge when it comes to run defense as well. And, and yeah, you're right. Like that's where, where Swift is going to get his damage done. But I, th- I think both backs need to do at least a little bit better of a job breaking tackles, making someone miss. Like it, I know going into this game, this team was top five in yards before contact, which usually means your offensive line is doing a hell of a job. These running backs aren't getting hit until they're four yards downfield. But they were also, I think, dead last in yards after contact which tells me who's that on that's on the running backs. Like these yeah. guys are making big holes from you. It's it's on you to make pl- players miss at the second level. And so he, Jamal Williams, he, he was so damn close to breaking one free in this game. But, but when he didn't, I just realized like, yeah, that's what's missing from this running. They're good consistently, but they're never going to be great if they can't pull off what other Madison did in this game, which is like, he was horrible for most of the game, but he, he you know, he broke off a 48 and you look at his stats and wow, hundred yards and five point, whatever a carry. Like, yeah, when you have big plays, you're going to look good and and get out of this offensive funk. Like if they can create some big plays through the running game that you can actually finish, or maybe those are the way you finish drives. Like, um, but they're missing that. And it's, it's an edge to the game that I think they could really, really use.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll switch sides to the defense. Um, slightly better performance all around, but at the same time, this is a, vikings offense only put up seven points against the cleveland browns so it there we will temper it on that but i think there is some room for uh some a little bit of optimism here not including three-man rush at the end of the game we'll leave that aside maybe a little bit uh we'll be right back and put it all together on the pride of detroit pod cast Wrapping up the pride of Detroit POD cast, your game five recap analysis, uh, cope session, see the session, everything we need to, uh, get back on the straight and narrow. Um, this one has usually been a point of much pain, but at the same time, I think maybe we can find, uh, some Mr. Bright sides on here on the defense. Can't believe I'm saying that here. Um, I'm going to leave for the sake of my sanity. Let's leave out the three man rush at the end of the game. Sure, I think we've talked about that enough. Sure. Um, how do you feel? Do you think
2: this is a better performance all around? No question. I thought it was a great game from the defense. I, I, I came away very, very pleased. Um, you know, obviously the, the issues in the secondary remain and, and they're going to remain like there's there's not a lot you can do to cover up the fact that you're starting two undrafted rookies and Jerry Jacobs wasn't horrible in this game but it wasn't great either. And then Amani Oroare wasn't horrible in this game, but he wasn't great either. And J- Justin Jefferson pretty much did whatever he wanted with the, the line secondary. And that was to be expected. But I think this line's defense shut down the run. They forced a lot of punts in the second half. They didn't force one in the first half, but they forced a lot of field goals in the first half and they got off. They got off the field a lot in this game. They only gave up a single touchdown, right? Yeah. That's, that's huge. And for the they second got time, this, they got
1: punts, <laughs> they got punts, that.
2: they got field goals. That's all. I mean, you hold a team to 19 points. You should win those games in the NFL. You absolutely should. And it started with first and down. We talked a lot this week about how good this team was on third down. And the problem was they were barely getting to thir- into third downs. Second best third down defense, but they faced the fewest third downs because teams were killing them on first and second down. Lions did fantastic on first and second down this game. Shut down the run for almost the entire game. Got a couple penalties that worked in their favor. Forced third and nines, third and tens, third and twelves, third and sevens, all the time. Problem was, <laughs> early in this game they started converting those, but lions kinda played catch-up in in the second half. They finally started getting off the field there. And that's when they crawled right back into the game. And so listen, if if the Lions can build on this performance and to be clear, like we were saying almost all of these exact same things after the Ravens game, too, right? Like there were, there were all the strides that they made in that game. And then they took a big step back against the bears. And then they took a big stride this week in the run game specifically. Now, how are you going to do against the Bengals next week? That's the, that's the true question. But again, even if it's, if it's two steps forward and one step back, I'll take that with this team right now. And I think that's, that's still a plus, we're
1: that's a still a plus average. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned that you mentioned the front seven on the run defense, there was a 48 yarder that got belted off, but you take that away and you you're left with what? 24 rushes. Seventy two yards. What did you just do, Chris?
2: 30.
1: You did. You I, just stole my weapon. I borrowed it like Kirby. <laughs> you know who Kirby is, right? I do. You cotton candy definitely. looking guy like our like our hoodies from from questionable tees that we are wearing nice. right now. The Jamal the Williams hoodies. Um, you're you're going to make
2: people think we're actually getting paid for every time we mention that, which we're not. But no, these are just very comfortable. We're not. We're not. We got paid it. <laughs> we, we got paid in hoodies. <laughs> um,
1: But, yeah, I thought they were better on the run defense, and that's something that uh, I was kind of terrified with, especially, I mean, again, no Dalvin Cook, but Alexander Madison was that threat today, and he was very busy. And, like, yeah, they gave him the ball, like, 25 times. And, yeah, he had the 48, but besides that, it's a decent average. Even with that, it's like 4.5 yards average, which is... I don't know, I'll go not great, but not terrible. DeAndre Swift had a better average by like a tenth of a yard.
2: But yeah, um, but you take you take yeah. away the big one. Take the away the big thing one. Is Swift, Swift didn't have any of the big ones that he could boost his average with. hmm. Madison had one. And and like I said, for the most part, just nothing doing in that run game. And so the Lions got opportunities to get off the field and they took about half of them and got off the field. And that's that's all you can ask for in a game like this. Like, all you can ask for is holding a team to 19 points and it should be good enough. I mean, you kind of wished it would have been 16 instead of 19, but I mean, it, also six of those 19 were field goals that this kicker had never made. He'd never made anything beyond 53 no. yards. And of course he makes it 54 and a 55 yard. After,
1: after one goes so short that one goes short and, f- and fakes out, fakes out the clock operator who like gives the points to, to <laughs> Minnesota before ra- uh, dialing them back. That was very funny. Um, anyway, but I, I on individual players, um, a lot of fans zeroing in on Charles Harris, this game mm-hmm. who, I mean, he had a sack this game. He looked a bit of a threat in the backfield, but what'd you think about him? Or was there anyone else that really like stood out to you?
2: Well, I mean, Charles Harris has sacks, I think now in back to back games, and he's, he's proving to be a guy that can flash like once or twice in a game. But I thought in general, the pass rush was pretty lacking in this game. And I thought they really missed Romeo Okwara badly. Um, because they weren't getting much out of their four man rush, which kind of leads to why everything collapsed at the end of the game there. Um, But no, I thought this was Tracy Walker's breakout game. Like I, I was extremely impressed with what Tracy Walker did in this game Um, was playing fast, was playing hard, came down and made a a couple huge tackles, like like Quandre Diggs esque tackles that, that I'm just like, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, that out of anyone, especially Tracy Walker, maybe ever. And then he's the one that broke up the pass that turned into an interception to Alex Anzalone. Great read by him. I I came away like that that is the flash that we need out of Tracy Walker that we need to see every week. Because I thought, man, if if, if he can play like that every week, like re-sign that dude now. Because he yeah. he might get expensive if he keeps playing like that. And Anzalone, I think, has improved pretty well. I think linebackers in general did well on
1: takeaways. Obviously Anzalone credited with the interception. Uh, Jalen Reeves may been recovered a
2: fumble, I believe, so yeah, like, the, fumble, the fumble the fumble that set up the 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 game the game winning game sorry, the go ahead, the go ahead the, the yeah, should yeah. have been game winning, but now, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, those, those two those
2: th- two and and we we should also probably talk about Derek Barnes. Like he I was gonna, I was gonna say that, but yeah, finish, finish your point. Yeah. I, I think I think we're starting to see maybe why Derek Barnes isn't out there as much as a guy like Jalen rees Maven or Alex Anzalone because those guys are all over the place in a good way. Like they're they're making tackles at the line. They're they're disrupting pass plays. Like how many times in that game did you see Alex Anzalone get up from a play and just like swinging his arms everywhere? Like I just made the play of my life. Like that dude brings energy. And and he's not he's not the cleanest player. He's not the best guy in coverage, but he was blowing up a lot of plays in this game. And, and I I felt I felt pretty good about the linebackers outside of the one Derek Barnes play. I'm going to give him a disparaging nickname, and I know I'm doing stereotyping.
1: But to me, oh, Anzalone boy. so far has looked like the Dollar King Clay Matthews. And as someone who likes going to Dollar King, I, I don't mean that as an insult. Fair. um. You mentioned Derek Barnes and I had written his name down. And I know people I mean, God, especially after the Jamie call, after what was going on with Jamie Collins, people, fans were pounding the table for Derek Barnes so loud. Throw him out there, see what you had. Um, He gave up a big run in this game. He he struggled a bit. I mean, granted, rookie and everything, but not 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 a day to write home about for Derek Barnes.
2: Yeah. And and listen, I mean, this is what we tried to tell people, right, Chris? We're like mm-hmm. He's not going to come in and suddenly the defense is perfect. Like He's going to go through. This is his only his second year ever playing off-ball linebacker, so he's another one of those guys that's adjusting to a new position, learning a new position, essentially. And yeah, he's going to make some mistakes, and I think he made some in coverage in this game as well. So listen, we were all excited by some of the plays he made in the preseason. He even made a play or two when he went out there in week one late in the game. But there's there's going to be more bumps in the road because he's a rookie because he's a he's a fourth rounder too like he isn't he isn't this polished guy that that was going to step in there and and, and be perfect so it, it's it's unfortunate he got highlighted on on the, the big run and, and rightfully so he was the one that made the, the big missed tackle but he'll he'll be better and I think the lines are going to be better for it eventually too
1: yeah his his tackling just needs some work if nothing else it it, it feels like there are a few. Couple of missed tackles, but I mean, obviously, I'm just zeroing in on Barnes right now. Right, f-
2: unfortunately, or not. Um, the good news can can I jump yeah. into a couple more players? Um, yeah, sure, let's go. The good news is that the other rookie defenders in this game, I thought did fantastic. I, the, the other draft picks I should say is not. not oh, Ali McNeil's name came up several times. He's fantastic. Like I think elite, I think Ali McNeil and Levi owns both were fantastic in the run game in this game. A big reason why they just, they didn't have much going on in the middle of that. De- I feel like anything that Madison got in this game outside of again, the 58 yard or whatever it was, um, was on the edges because I, again, I, I think the lines are, are hurting and on the edges right now with, with the loss of, you know, uh, Oquara and, and, and limited stamps from, from flowers. I, I think that middle of the defense is starting to really get plugged up. And I, I noticed, I don't know how much Onzerike played in this game, but it felt like a lot more and, and Aleem played in a lot more as well. So I'm starting to get good vibes from those two guys again. And I know those were, were guys that I think people were underwhelmed by in, in the first four weeks of the season. So your young players are starting to make strides y'all. That's, that's a good sign. Yeah. That's a real well, good sign. The one bad
1: part is probably coming from the secondary here, though.
2: Yeah, there's there's no I don't know if there's what what else
1: are we supposed to say about this at this point? Like Bobby Price, we know what Bobby Price is. We know we know what these guys are at this point. I've got nothing else to add. It's bad. It will remain bad for the immediate future.
2: It was we knew going into this game, it was maybe the biggest mismatch we've seen yet is these Vikings receivers who are very, very talented going against these lines cornerbacks that just like they they shouldn't be playing and it, it's nobody's fault. The lines got hit by a bad injury bug. They couldn't go out and, and you know, sign some guy to a, a $50 million contract because they just didn't have the funds this off season to do any of that. So it's just like, it's an unfortunate situation and it's something we're just going to have to live with. And we hope to see week to week progression, right? Like we yeah, hope- look that the key was to pressure Kirk cousins. Yeah. And- like you weren't, you weren't going to beat the receivers,
1: but you could absolutely make Kirk cousins put pressure on Kirk Cousins and make decisions. And you just, you know, you, you got a couple, sa- you didn't do it. You got a couple sacks on him, but you didn't really do too much in that, in that department. That's, that's where the failure was more than the secondary being bad. We know what the secondary is.
2: Yeah. The, the lines are trying to do whatever they can to mask that. And it's tough because mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is also a quarterback that gets the ball out incredibly fast. Um, so it's tough to get pressure on him and, and disrupt that. But those two sacks were the only quarterback hits they got in this game. There was no other quarterback hits. I'm I'm sure there are other pressures and we'll see those once the PFF stuff comes out, but in general, just the, the pass rushing wasn't there. They even tried a couple blitzes that, that were mostly ineffective. There were, there were a couple here and there, but you know, when you have a secondary this bad, you need, you need a a pass rush to help it. And it's, it's just not there yet. And again, part of it's injuries, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you, you lose out. I don't know how many times I have to say you lose out on Romeo Quart and how big of a loss that was, but it, it was truly a massive loss, but again, <laughs> bright side of it. Hopefully we're going to see more Julian Acquire. I didn't see a lot of him today. I don't know if it was just because he wasn't making an impact or if again, they kind of limited his snaps, but looking, he only had one tackle on the day. So hopefully get to see more out of him in the future. Um, Austin Bryant seemed to be kind of a, no, a non-factor in this game as well. I don't see him on the box score at all. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you one more thing where I'm kind
1: of, um, I'm kind of excited. Okay and maybe this is me looking at the, at the, at the box scores too much, but this game only three penalties for 30 yards for the lions. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're used to, maybe it's me being histrionics. I'm used to this team just giving up a lot of penalty yards. And that kind of indicates that there's, I mean, maybe we can see this trend continue, keep an eye on penalty yards. The less, the better it's, it's always a game that's going to get litigated by the officials, but. I don't know. Three penalties on the on the Lions to seven on the Vikings.
2: I'll take that for for a team that has perpetually, you know, shot themselves in the foot. Undisciplined is always the the keyword, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, I mean, that's certainly a, a step in the positive direction. I, I feel like it's good that we're ending this podcast on on some positive notes. <laughs> because penalties. listen, like, I, yeah. I mean, there 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 seriously was a lot of positives to take this, from the game, and I know it's easy to lose sight of that when you just it's utter pain the way some of these games are ending and all you want to do is scream at Aaron Glenn for rushing three or, you know, scream at Jared Goff for two turnovers on the Viking side of the field. And you'd be right to scream at all those things, but behind, like, again, see, see the forest through the trees. Like there are good things happening. And I know that's going to ring empty on a lot of people who just want to see this team win. And I understand that. I get it. I get it. I get it. I want to see this team win. I'm sick Look, of losing you got, losing yeah. Team,
1: let, things are improving. Book- Let's book a market like this. You got your heart ripped out. And it, that's confused and frustrating and hurtful. Um, But I think the underlying plan is still, there's no reason to doubt the course of the ship yeah. right now through five weeks. It's, it's rough. It's really rough. But there's nothing that I've seen out of the coaching te- staff that says, yeah, this was a mistake. Nothing. Maybe I've got some quibbles with how Anthony Linus Call has kind of done some of the play calling. But again, we've talked about how the groceries aren't great. And that's not us making an excuse. That's just the, the hard truth that the groceries aren't great. And I think you just have to stick with what you have right now, get out to the end of the year, find some moral victories, find some important lessons. And Dan Campbell's learning those lessons. He could have kept being aggressive in this game. He, he realized. Goff was not going to get him those third and shorts, and he dialed back those fourth down calls because he wanted to win. He didn't want to just keep trying the aggression. There's, there's only so much you can do in season to try out new things. He's, he's learning how to adapt very well. And I would say the only thing I will advise you is don't try to keep blowing it up and keep chasing draft picks right now. A uh, lot of talk this week about trying to trade known pieces just to try keep going and getting mystery boxes. Um, Evaluate what you have, what's working right now. Find those good players. Don't dismiss everything out of hand. Cut the chaff when, when the season's over and, uh, keep working from there. And I, I hate to be talking long-term like that. We've still got 12 more games to go and I miss football like hell when it goes away, but you, this is a long-term picture. This is a six year contract for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And look, there, nobody, nobody thought, nobody serious thought you were going to come in and take this chat, this just heap of trash that the Boston boys had left you and turn it into a consome. Is it consome or consome? That's one of those words I've never heard said out loud. <laughs> That's a great way for me to end my monologue, is just
2: completely butchering the pronunciation of a word I've never heard. Um, can, can I just yeah. end with Dan Campbell's quote that I, th- I thought was kind of inspirational in the, in the midst of his tearful? Sure. Uh, sure. Conference? I know. I know you're on your, uh, Ted Lasso kick. So you're all about the inspirational. Yes, I am. I am. Absolutely. Um, all right. <clears throat> he says we're going to be on the winning side of these before long, hopefully sooner rather than later, but it's coming. I just don't know when, but it's coming when you play that way and fight that way and clean up those little mishaps that have shot us in the foot like penalties. Our days of being on the winning side of that is coming. And I believe him. Four wins this year, baby. Coming. I'll take three. I think I I think I predicted. It has to be four. Why does it have to be four? Because I bet 50 gifted subs that they're gonna win four games.
1: Oh god, that's right. Yeah, okay. Well with that out well, that with that out of the way, by the way, uh, someone in our Twitch chat says it's consume. There
2: you go.
1: So there we go. I didn't have it right on either count. (laughs) That's a great way to end the Pride of Detroit podcast cope edition, as we deal with yet another heartbreaking loss. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you're on Twitch, listening on the podcast feeds, uh, keep downloading. Please, uh, please go to Apple Podcasts if you can and give us five stars and uh, leave a review so yes. we can re- remain the most reviewed Detroit Lions podcast out there. We haven't read those. In a while, if I have to put out bounties to read those reviews, I will. I just we want uh, we want we want positive vibes right now because we're feeling ourselves a little bit. Um, but for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for the newly married Ryan Matthews out in God's country right now, bum. we'll see you star side.